at this point, it kind of looks like we're going to be praying for a team to miss out due to COVID, and then we're that, you know, last team in. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the more likely route for us to get in there and try I to agree. shock the nation. So, so we, we need to so start I think recruiting that... some typhoid Marys. <laughs> <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 19 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello again, everyone. With the regular season of college hockey complete, we thought it was time to check in with someone outside the WCHA, much like last week, to discuss college hockey and get an outside perspective of the WCHA and their chances to get multiple teams into the NCAA tournament. So we reached out to Todd Maluski from the Capital Times and USCHO. Thanks for joining us, Todd. Did I get that right? Is that where you're all at? Uh, well, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin State, State Journal State now. Journal. Used to be with the okay. Capital Times. I found some old links somewhere. Other side of a, a formerly existing wall in a newsroom. <laughs> there isn't a wall anymore. It's just walk straight through and you're, you're in one newsroom and you go to the other. All right. Uh, this week we'll be discussing the Big Ten, the WCHA playoffs, WCHA status. Sounds like we'll probably try and touch base with uh, how Robbie Baydoon's doing. We've got the Joe Sean Hour. We've got your questions, which I think we've got one, uh, unless somebody gets something in here soon. And then preview. I already mentioned that. So we'll we'll see what we all get into. Maybe we'll talk about soccer even. I know Rob wouldn't mind that. Dustin will probably turn off the... Zoom chat if we go it's there. Better we'll than I've got a 5 a.m. meeting again, so if it gets into soccer, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into all that, I wanted to mention that we have some great new feature features. Brandon Morizak has been working on some new artwork for the podcast that will probably roll out soon, and we've increased our channels and features on Discord. Yeah, it got confusing all of a sudden. Yeah, it did get confusing. Uh, Matt will throw a link to our Discord in the liner notes this week, and we've also added a Patreon feature that, uh, which once you sign up to be a patron at any level, you get access to special Patreon content on Discord. That'll happen automatically when you give Patreon your Discord information, and if you are already a patron, you can go in and add that, and it should fill in those features for you automatically, too. Uh, we're also working on revamping our apparel store with some really nice deals. Patrons will have access to special discounts on items in our shop, and honestly, I can't. Uh, you can't really beat our prices, especially on sweatshirts. I know we had a nice little chat and <laughs> somewhere about that and how crazy sweatshirts have gotten now. We're like, I don't know, even tech store. I think the cheapest sweatshirt that doesn't look like it was made for two dollars is uh, like sixty-five, seventy bucks now. Yeah, it's something like that. And I want to give a quick shout out to Bob Gilreath for selling me like all of his old sweatshirts for twenty bucks. So I don't need to worry about it. Nice. <laughs> I know we. Uh, I know I the, like the the reporting as eligible podcast one that I bought. Uh, turns out we already had the same store set up that reporting as eligible uses. So I think as soon as we get our our discount figured out, I'm going to order some sweatshirts of our our tech hockey guide stuff. 
Uh, so hopefully we'll get that figured out soon. I've got killer MCM sweatshirts. There's t-shirts available if anybody wants yeah. the old MCM logo t-shirts. They're pretty sick. All right. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and discuss college hockey with our guest, Todd Maluski. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome back. So let's get right into things with Todd Maluski. First off, how are things for you and Madison? Doing pretty well, all in all. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's been a weird year, but I think it's been weirder for more people or a lot more people than me. So um, just happy to have some hockey to cover, and everyone here seems to be doing well. So yeah, and thumbs up yeah, on that. We go back to. My shirtless days, I believe, right? Didn't we meet way back <laughs> I when I was right. uh, a crazy tech fan in Madison? And you probably got to watch some of those famous moments where the entire student section took their shirts off in retaliation for me doing said actions and almost getting I kicked out of the call center believe... a couple times. I thought I remembered you getting escorted out at some point, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have all of the the memories right there, but I I, I feel like I remember seeing that. Were happen. you in Marquette? I don't believe I've ever been kicked out of Madison <laughs> out of the Cole Center. Uh, I've well, been okay. spoken to. Uh, well, maybe I will decide, <laughs> but I have never been kicked out of the Cole Center. Do the Misfits lead the nation in being spoken to? Maybe. <laughs> and I have certainly been kicked out of arenas, but not the Cole Center. I'm I've we got we got kicked out of the uh uh not Magnus, uh World Arena. Uh, that was I, Dustin? Well I did. I think we all did because of you. Well <laughs> I've only got two I've only been kicked out twice. And I got kicked out of uh Barry Event Center. I think that's it. I got I kicked out of a of... Final Five game at the X once. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. But because some, that doesn't surprise me. Some late, one of the um, <laughs> one of the ushers thought that I was. She was. She said that I needed to stop swearing, and all I said was "ass." <laughs> and, I, and I said, "Well, ass isn't a swear word." And then she's like, "Should you say it one more time?" And then I said it one more time, and. <laughs> and I, then, then as I was walking away, it's like, it's not like I wanted to see an effing St. Cloud Denver game anyways. I thought, didn't we, didn't we have an issue like that in North Dakota one time? Too? Yeah, yeah, we did. I, okay. I, with Marti recently that happened. That Martina uh, Navratilova usher, remember? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there's our first tangent of the day. One of many, I'm sure. So how are the Badgers doing? I saw there's some fun about, uh. Whether or not they really should have finished first in the Big Ten based on how you uh, do standings, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so the the Big Ten put out something. Uh, I think it was right away, right away at the start of November when when things were getting going of how they were going to 
handle standings. And at that point, I, I know Atlantic hockey said right from the beginning that just we're doing points per game point percentage, because we're just aware that it's, you know, we're not going to get everyone playing the same number of games. We know that so the big 10 said, no, we're going to try and just do regular points. But if we can't, if there isn't an equal number of games, we're going to do winning percentage, which I thought was curious because that goes on a different scale than it basically treats overtime games differently than you do if you're going just with points because of the way they give out a second point for a shootout win or a overtime win goes two points, one point. But I asked about it, followed up on that. And they said, yeah, they, the coaches decide winning percentage and not point percentage. Well, if you look at winning percentage, the Badgers are two one thousandths of a point ahead of Minnesota. But in po- if it was points percentage where those overtime differences would be factored in, they'd be behind Minnesota. <laughs> but that's how it worked out. What an interesting season. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That, that, that really does spell it out really yeah. well, how this season when you're talking about those kind of, you know, fractional differences in a system that doesn't really add up to the way it would have worked had everyone played the same number of games. So yeah, it's, it's, it's wet. Plus Minnesota and missing out on something by fractions of a percent. I mean, like name a more iconic <laughs> duo. <laughs> right. We, we talked about how Wisconsin season has gone. One of the one of the spots that our listeners is probably most interested in is the fact that uh, Robbie Baydoon transferred there. How's how's his season been? It's been really good. I mean, that was a, a position that has not gone well for the Badgers in five years. Basically, <laughs> since reality, your coach were... has been there, right? Like they oh, even, even before yeah. beyond that, yeah, right. Um, it I. I'm trying to remember the stat that the Wisconsin was the only team in NCAA hockey, men's hockey in the last five years to be under 900 in save percentage each year. <laughs> and so that tells you where things were at, yeah. right? I mean, if you can't even get the 900, you're not probably not going to be winning a, a ton of games. Um, but Robbie Badoon came in, um, knew that it was going to be a situation where they were also bringing in a, a two other freshmen, one of whom was expected to be a third stringer. So, but uh, the other one was Cam Rowe, a former national team goalie, um, high promise level, but um, the coaches here were pretty adamant that right away Bedoun was going to get the first start and go from there. And he, he got a shutout in his first start and then he, then he won the second game and he kept going and uh, they kept giving him the the games and um, he did really well. And, he, and he's even more recently has gotten even better, I think. Uh, and that's, uh, that's been a, one of the biggest things about where Wisconsin is this year is that they have goaltend they can count on where they haven't in the last few years, and Baydoon's a big part of it. Yeah, I was just looking at his game log, and and it and it does remind me a lot of what we put up with for three years because it's he gives up four goals on thirteen shots, one on thirty five, five on nineteen, one on twenty one, gets a shutout on nineteen, one on twenty four, four on fifteen. So he's always like. He either keeps you in the game and gives up one or none, or he puts up five. Like it's, and that's kind of the way he's always been. Where he can steal a game for you, but he can throw a stinker in there too. And and I don't think I just don't think Joe could 
guarantee playing time with that kind of uncertainty of what he was getting and and uh not that he hasn't been good just like that joe just doesn't do well with that inconsistency i think he'd rather just give up one and a half goals every game or two goals a game than than have that five spot in there where the team just can't overcome that yeah what i was going to kind of get at there is that you know historically with us and i loved having robbie on the team but like he would go through stretches where he would be invincible and then there would be like the one sinker in there. And I was wondering if that's a pattern that you've noticed following Wisconsin, or if it's just been nice to have the stretches where you've had a lights out goaltender, whereas that hasn't been the reality recently for the Badgers. Well, part of it is that I think you're right. Um, The, what they've done in the last month and a half though, is, is rotated. So uh, Baydoon's played the first game. Cam Rose got the second game and it's that, you know, no questions asked because uh, there was a while there where Tony Granato wanted to split the goalies, but he got into something where uh, the guy that he gave the start to on Friday would have such a good game that he felt like he had to come back with him the next day. And it, it sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But eventually he said, look, we're just going to do this. You're getting this game. You're getting this game. And we'll take it from there. So I think that has helped that, you know, you get one chance a weekend. You, you could focus on that you put everything you have into this one game and and that's your, that's your contribution uh, as opposed to trying to be, you know, the guy for every night and go back to back, not to say that that's like you know, overtaxing for a college player to, to play in goal both nights of a but series. Sometimes but, it's nice to just have that focus and know that that's your role and right. how you do tonight doesn't impact what you get tomorrow and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's what they've all said. I mean, and you know, take it for what it's worth. They could just be, you know, throwing lines at us here, but they say that that's helped them mentally in terms of how they go out and prepare. So I, I, I tend to believe that. And I mean, the results, you know, show it that they're, you know, they've, they've done pretty well, uh, given it their goals against or the goals against has gone down. The save percentage has gone up since they started the, uh, rotation as a team. And, and how, so from the Big Ten perspective, how have things been with the whole like Arizona State kind of being slotted in as like the pseudo eighth team this season? How has that played out for the whole league? Well, it was, I mean, it was really kind of unfair. To well, be honest, yeah, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> they're playing an entire they're going season on the road. On the road. road. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. Um, and you know, part of the deal was I, I don't know if this was a formal part of the deal or kind of just a a handshake deal that all the big 10 teams will go to Tempe at some point and play series there. I believe once they get their arena built, but um, so there's some makeup for it, but I don't think there's ever a makeup for having a team play an entire season on the road. Um, But it it filled a gap. It, It was, you know, when you have seven teams and you've only, you've got a limited number of weekends or more limited number of weekends and you, uh, than you did in a normal season, you don't really want to leave someone out every weekend. I mean, you've, you've got to keep things going. And so I thought that was an important part of, um, you know, keeping some consistency going for teams so that there wasn't a weekend off every, you know, every few weeks to um, 
keep what you're building going. It's been one of my favorite jokes the whole season is, you know, it just takes Arizona State getting into a conference to show that they're not as good as their independent record was when they're (laughs) picking whoever they play. But there is that other aspect of it where they're playing an entire season on the road, and that's a tall ask of any team, and that's... Yeah. The fact that they've been able to yeah, do it, I, and I thought it was cool that Ohio State was did like a mini senior night for the Arizona State guys. That was cool, but it's, oh, did that? I didn't know that. That is kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. It was. It was like a half-hearted kind of a thing. But it was they. The, Ohio State took some time to recognize the Arizona State seniors because they're not going to get like a regular senior night. So sure. I thought that was yeah. cool, and just now that they have the con- experience of like being in a conference, even if it's like a pseudo thing. So I guess we'll see how that goes, especially once their arena gets built. Yeah. I mean, the Big Ten really does seem like the place they fit, given the size of the school and all. That's fair, but travel-wise, they don't. No, but who else can afford to well, travel compared to everybody, the, right? I mean, the Big Ten schools are the ones that can the afford Big Ten to travel. Can afford yeah, it, right. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, also true. That's, that's and, the thing. And for where, the most part, and, the Big Ten schools charter flights anyway, because that's right. that's the benefit of being a Big Ten athlete, right? Like that's that's part of what you're getting for choosing that school is that you're going to hop on a plane to go to your games. You're not going to hop on a bus. Yeah, they they sell that in recruiting as being a you know a, a feature of you know you're not going to be spending 14 hours on a bus going somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So how how does the Big Ten stack up from your perspective as far as the the NCAA tournament this year? I think it'll be three teams from the Big Ten: Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, now, if somebody other than those three teams wins the tournament. Um, I I guess, I don't know. I feel like the order is right now, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan in the Ustro poll, which, you know, means nothing, but it's kind of an indication of what people are thinking mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I think Minnesota, Wisconsin are going to be maybe battling for the final number one seed, possibly uh, the way things look right now. Um, and Michigan isn't that far behind. So I feel like those three are kind of locked in. And so it could be a fourth if, if somebody else wins the tournament, but that obviously doesn't help a lot of other teams at the bottom. <laughs> I think it's going to be hard for the, the big 10 to end up with four, even if a Notre Dame say wins the tournament, just because of. There's only so many spots. It also feels like to me that Notre Dame and Michigan are pretty comparable too, right? Uh, To some extent. I think Michigan is a little better. Not that if Notre Dame goes on a run, their their resumes don't look similar That's what I mean. If if Notre Dame manages to win the tournament, it means they've won quite a few games here, and it'll even out their record quite a bit with Michigan. So I think at that point they're – if if you're going with three teams going in from the Big Ten and Notre Dame wins it, I don't think that necessarily says Michigan still is a lock to get in at that point. Yeah, it it'll be really interesting to see how how the conference tournaments shake out and how many of these conference tournaments end up being won by a team that, as of today, we wouldn't think is getting in. That's going to be a very the, the more teams that screw that up, the difficult their decisions are because right now it's I think it's relatively cut and dry of how you draw the lines if the right teams win conference tournaments and it feels fair the way it shakes out but as soon as you start moving that line up and only having nine or eight at-large bids then it gets more complicated 
Right. Or so we think that, I mean, yeah. that's all based on what we think the committee is going to do, as opposed to a pairwise year where you, you know what, yeah. what they have to do. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> these, these are all beliefs and, you know, we've never really, we have no, um, you know, prior history to go on here though, in nope. terms and of I've what never, the I've never experienced do. the Smokefield yeah. room tournament selection in my life. Like I didn't pay attention to college hockey before pairwise existed. I just didn't. So it's, right. it's a totally different experience. Not that if I did, I would have any clue because my team had no business being in the tournament <laughs> for most of that time either. So it's a, it's a little different situation. So from your perspective, how does the, the WCHA stack up? Well, I mean, obviously Mankato's in, we know that. I mean, that's, they're not going to get pushed out. Except in the first um, round, but yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're still in at that point though, but yes. Okay. I, I, I take what you're, you're getting at there. Um, I feel like, I mean, and, and then, then it's the next group, which is Bowling Green, Lake State Tech, Bemidji State, right? All four yeah. of them, I think. Um, I don't think legit. Tech is in anymore without winning the tournament. I agree. The yeah. only way, the only I way I can feel like, now. I guess if they swept Bemidji State and then beat Mankato and lost to Bowling Green in the championship, maybe. Yeah, but that I mean, still that's, doesn't. That's tough at that point. You're a 20 win team, yeah. and boy, I mean, that's. And you've got two wins over Mankato at that point, and you've yeah. almost well, you have evened up the Bemidji State series at that point if they sweep. At this uh, point, it kind of yeah. looks like we're going to be praying for a team to miss out due to COVID, and then we're that you know last team in. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be the more likely route for us to get in there and try I to shock the nation. So, so we we need to so start recruiting they... some typhoid Marys. <laughs> <laughs> It's these these rankings inside of conferences that I think are going to be the the interesting things to look at here, given the way that they're going to have to pick from, you know, first of all, you're going to go down these lists inside conferences, and then you're going to have to compare, you know, the third team from this league to the fourth team from this league and see which one's which. So yeah. uh, after Mankato, I don't know who's who's next. Is it Bemidji? Is it Lake State? I I I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't have a real good feel for that. And I don't know if anyone really does, given that it seems to change every week because, you know, Lake State splits with Bemidji, uh, you know, yeah. Tech drops a couple. And, and, and it's it's these teams that are called, kind of beating up on well, each I mean, other. If you look at the – and I know, I know Pararize doesn't make a difference for non-conference, but it still does do a decent job of comparing within conference, right? The comparisons are still pretty accurate there. And if you look at it that way, where it's Minnesota State – uh, Bowling Green, Bemidji, Lake Superior, and, and then us. Yeah. So, uh, unless unless some stuff goes right in the playoffs, it, it's not happening this year. Not for Tech, no. Yeah. But. Right. Now that said, how many do you put in from the WCHA without Tech being involved there? Right. Yeah. I think I think it should be two, and and a possible third if if it's not. Mankato or Bowling Green and Bowling Green stays high enough, you know, wins a bunch of games in the tournament, but maybe loses in the the championship game to someone not. I think Mankato. three, I think three really makes sense. If it ends up at Bowling Green is the third team that you're looking at. 
because I don't think you can take Bowling Green, who's actually had some out-of-conference, non-conference games where they have done well, and, and not take them with that small sample size. But if you're looking at Quinnipiac being a, a conference team or a, 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 a playoff team, right, how can you justify taking Quinnipiac when you don't take Bowling Green when Bowling Green swept them in the only meeting they've had outside of the conference this year? So yeah. there's definitely a lot of inner little interlocking bits that play there, I think. That that'll and it's it's those little things that I hope they get into because they they need to go that deep into all these between team comparisons. Whereas you know it used to be done for them, and maybe it will be to some extent. Maybe that they'll be you know handed all these things kind of in a in a easy to digest format as a committee. But this this is one time that they actually do need to go deep into those kind of I mean, I know I'm actually going to watch the selection show this year because it'll actually be interesting. <laughs> you know, right. it's not just where where are people going, but it's actually who's going. So it, it does have a little bit of kind of exciting flair there to the selection show that will make it worth watching this year for that. And my hope is that if it does, it does end up being Bowling Green, that, that slight bit of East-West comparison that's enabled because of the fact Bowling Green did play some Eastern teams that we end up with a not Providence over Minnesota problem, right? Like on the women's <laughs> side. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. You know, hopefully we can do well enough to, to make that slight bit of discussion there for us. But I think this weekend really sealed it for us. Not getting a split with Mankato. I don't see us being an at large team anymore. No, I I agree. I think it's, I I think Joe was wrong that uh, I was it post game Friday night that he said we have to win the tournament. Now, I thought he was wrong at that point, but then we lost Saturday, so I'm pretty sure we're we're out without uh, winning the tournament now. <laughs> and it does seem like your the the pollsters both well more yours because you guys go down to 20 you can tell that the pollsters are kind of taking this more seriously this year because you've got aic sitting there 16th and like that wouldn't probably happen in a normal year but in this year they're kind of like these are the they're trying to do their top 16 as like these are the 16 teams i think should make it uh that's kind of how i read your poll this year i think that's a fair way of looking at it yeah because it's well, it really should be the way people do it every year, but yeah, it's probably it doesn't have that urgency maybe that it it does this year. Well, I just year. think like uh, not- in a normal year, you don't necessarily just because Atlantic Hockey gets a bid, you don't have to think that AIC or whoever's leading the pack is the 16th place team. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think AIC is as built to something over the last couple of years of being, you know, kind of the class of Atlantic Hockey. Yeah. Who, who would have believed um, that? Not that, to the yeah, extent that Mankato <laughs> is. It's a, a mind-blowing you know, idea. The <laughs> After how bad they've been. Yeah. For a little while, yeah. you thought Canisius was going to start running away with it being in that program, but it's ended up being AIC. Yeah, yeah and that's it's it's like on a three- or four-year cycle sometimes, right? Robert Morris was the yep. the the team to watch for a few years. RIT had its, had its few years when they made the Frozen Four there, and yeah. – uh, um, you know, had a couple good years after that too, but yeah, um, that that's a league where it does really kind of go in a rotation. Yeah, Holy Cross isn't upsetting Minnesota anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. No, given, given the last couple of years, 
<laughs> Even though everybody loves that game in Minnesota. <laughs> so so speaking of the polls, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week because we had Matt Wellens on and he made the joke that uh, – that that once once you get somebody to be a voter, you don't let them go because they're so hard to replace. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is usually true, yeah, because um, it's it, you know there's not a lot of glamour in it, right? I mean, you've got and and anyone can just throw together a list of twenty teams, but we hope people that are voting actually do their homework on it. I mean, we we give them something every week that shows what those teams did, but I still feel like you'd need to d- go uh, one step beyond that and actually, you know, you know, see what you did, what you, where you had teams last week, what they did and where they should go given that and given their entire body of work. So well, that's what I found interesting. talking to Matt uh, last week. Uh, he went into some heavy detail of how he is comparing them in his notes and everything. He clearly mm-hmm. takes it really seriously. And that's, I think, really good to see you know as someone that doesn't know how that that inner workings of of the rankings happen to kind of get a look behind the covers of how somebody actually treats their voting gives it a little bit more of a flair of seriousness to it because and tim and i have joked a little bit about it. i have i have no clue what happens out east whatsoever <laughs> I, I can't I, yeah, I, I yeah, don't so know. I don't know which we ones. Reached the out to you, we re- reached out to Joe Maloney, and he never got back to me. And he's like, what, like he was Matt Rob was making a joke about how he doesn't remember which of the two <laughs> Eastern conferences has the Ivy Leagues in it. He doesn't know. He, right. He's I just, just he's like, I got to look it up. I don't know which one. It it just so. it means so little <laughs> out here out west with yeah. so little you know crossover between the leagues that. The style is different. The just trying to pay attention to them is different, and you Their can't idea really of what do a it. Long road trip is very different. Right. Oh my like, god! Oh no, <laughs> we're going to Maine. It was so dumb. One of like, the bags we're going to be gone for a week. You I've know? got I've got so many friends that like a lot of my friends are at Northeastern, and they were like they would complain about their road trip to Maine, and that's the longest one they'd had to take, and it was six hours. Right. And I was like, oh, you poor baby, you have to go to Maine. Oh, that's like no. my third <laughs> shortest trip now. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, now that some of the stuff is on ESPN Plus, I've tried to grab some of those games uh, with some of being on there. It's been nice to try to get a little, a little bit of a different perspective. And Tech's been trying to do a little bit more out east scheduling, you know, with the Clarks and stuff, which has been nice to see. Mm-hmm. As opposed, it to would just, be nice if they scheduled one that is, you know, not the very farthest, most remote place you can hey, get to in if, an Eastern school. If we're going to go from one ass crack of the earth with Houghton, we might as well go to the other ass you crack know, in New York. Like, it's, it's let's really, schedule it's really the one that is not the easiest to get there via Montreal. I, I, think, right. I think it's neat that Tech has yeah, created I this kinship with the most similar school in the NCAA to them. So I, I think Clarkson's <laughs> That's neat. fine, but it is it is you know? a challenge to figure out, like, okay – do we want to drive from Syracuse or Burlington or Montreal or what? I'm like, sure how they are we think, getting there? I'm sure they think the same thing about coming to see us. So Right. No, that, hey, that's one trip. There's that commercial was, flights into Houghton, though. As soon as we do it again, I'm, I definitely want to try to make that one because it's part of the country I've never actually been to. It would be really interesting to go, I think. Last year, the NCAA tournament, uh, Clarkson – uh, was supposed to come here to Madison to play. And so this is right when COVID's – and eventually, of course, you know, c- canceled the tournament. But Clarkson had the bus to Ottawa, 
and fly from Ottawa to Chicago and then bus from Chicago to Madison. <laughs> and they did all that just before it got canceled. the tournament got oh. canceled. Yeah. <laughs> so then they had to get right back on the bus to Chicago, fly from Chicago back to Ottawa, bus from Ottawa. Oh man, home. that's that, that I just that was <laughs> the worst I felt ever felt for a team traveling wow. was was that that's experience. Awful. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound great at all. Hopefully, they at least got some cheese curds. <laughs> hope so. Yeah, at least get some Culver's before they left. Or some huh? spotted cow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that part, Dustin. Um, so the, back to the poll. So, how many voters do you guys actually have, and how is the like east-west divide? There's 40 this year. There's usually 50, but because of um, the f- fewer number of teams and some people just not being as invested some voters that we had were some of the teams that weren't playing this year they obviously weren't as invested as they normally would be but um and it's it's a there there's a set number and I I don't monitor who is actually on the the list but it's a certain number of teams or a certain number of spots per league and so that generally makes it a pretty even east-west split. Um, now, you could have where, and I don't know that anyone's ever been from Air Force. I mean, they're technically an eastern team because of their league. So um, that could be one way that that skews one way or another. But um, it's it's usually pretty pretty close to being even. I know we were just joking last week about uh, like, so who do you actually know at all? Who votes from our league? Um, you on the spot here, right? I don't. Um, I've, I, I know who some of the writers are, but I don't know who, the, who any of the coaches okay. are. I know Shane Frederick used to, I don't know if he still does. I, I would imagine. He's since he's oh, not. We haven't you know, asked him direct. We haven't directly asked him that question writing. when we talked to him this year. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no, we didn't ask him yet. So, Todd, uh, one of our patrons had a question for you, and I'll kind of generalize it. What are your thoughts on the CCHA? Oh, thoughts. Yeah, there's some thoughts there. <laughs> um, so let's 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 start with the name. What do you think of the name? Yeah. <laughs> It was free. That's why. That's why they picked it. True. Yeah. Real estate. Right. That doesn't cost much. Yeah. I mean, there's some you know new logo design. I guess. Yeah. Um. So my thoughts are are, are kind of along the lines of something was going to happen. We knew that. I mean, it was it was going to with with the way that economics are going. It, having the Anchorage or having the Alaska teams, having Huntsville, it, I understand where the other seven are coming from that will be, will be stronger as a separate group. I understand that completely. It does to me take quite a bit of the shine away from anything you ever want to be in terms of, you know, working towards a better college hockey community in general. My biggest problem with that type of attitude is that it coming from the big 10 and the NCHC side of things 
just rubs me the wrong way, right? Big t- because there are teams that can afford right. to deal with those. The Big three Ten teams, could easily have an Alaska us. flight and manage that schedule and utilize the extra games afforded by the Alaska rule. The Big Ten teams would love that. Same with the NCHC. Get them another non-conference game by keeping an Alaska school in there. Just the Alaska schools being split up from a conference perspective makes a huge difference in cost mm-hmm. for the spreading across those conferences. And by taking that spread away and forcing both Alaskas to be in the same league, unfortunately, we're probably looking at Anchorage not having a program here in the next couple of years. You right. know, and I hate that attitude. Everybody was the NCHC was a super happy thing for the NCHC. They're getting rid of all the the dead the dead weight. We can't have to go to these places anymore. The Big Ten. Well, we hit our six member rule. We got to do it. You know, we have to do it. It's the rules. It's the law. You know, the Big Ten <laughs> couldn't couldn't do anything otherwise. And here the the WCHA and now CCHA teams are doing the same thing, looking out for themselves. And now, and I'm not trying to you know be grumpy at you, but this is the attitude that you get from a lot of people about this, right? Is that it's right. not good for college hockey. Well, neither was the NCHC and the Big Ten at that point. But nobody is willing to say that either. I, get, not getting much disagreement from yeah, me. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I mean yeah, they've also suffered from, I, uh, I was, from the breakup. You know, I was – one of the biggest fans of the WCHA as we knew it. Yeah, before it's that. frustrating. I mean, that's, that's it doesn't the, get better the than that. I grew up. Yeah, with. same here. Right. That was that was. I mean, those final five weekends, those were better than the Frozen Four. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it was a regional I, league for crying out loud. It wasn't this right. pish posh. We have three re, we have three leagues that now you fly over top of somebody to go play somebody else, or you bus past somebody to play somebody else. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean we're never going to get to a place where everyone is completely happy in their situation i don't no. think i mean because you, you, there are still rumblings from big 10 schools yeah. that eh, we should be doing something different here. well I, if if the big 10 and, had expanded you have all these programs that are wall just rich with money let's be honest big 10 right. football and basketball can drive any program underneath it if the athletic department has the will to do it illinois not having a team ohio state not having or iowa state not having a team those, iowa, iowa yeah iowa sorry yeah that's what i mean iowa. to say they're all four letter states that we don't really care about from this perspective anyways <laughs> right but those big 10 teams big 10 schools that have basketball and and uh, football programs that are successful the big 10 staying at six teams or five years on I, I wouldn't have said that was what was going to happen. Yeah, it's you know, I would have expected more teams to be picked up, and that the Big Ten finally having its own league would suddenly be a catalyst for some of these other Big Ten programs to actually pick up a hockey team and grow college hockey. Yeah, I yeah. keep hoping to see Northwestern pick up the Chicago market easily. Like, yeah. if you look at Iowa, right. is like the biggest junior hockey hotbed in the in the United States. So I think it's just a huge untapped hockey market and adding. The Hawkeyes as a hockey team would just be oh, you're a huge success off for a lot of Minnesotans but, with that statement. Well, well I, it's not, I get but it's it. not like it's, Iowa's oh, the for, center from of the USHL, USHL perspective. Yeah, there's like yeah. five yep. teams like, there. They've got no, they're like the they're like the United States junior hockey hotbed, and plus they have like those auto rivalries with Minnesota and Wisconsin. So yeah, I want to piss them off. Right. Let's get a team there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't get it. I honestly don't. I would have expected at least at least one team from Illinois to have started up, whether it be the Chicago market or you know Illinois themselves. Or in, in Iowa, you got Iowa and Iowa State, right? 
Yeah. How is there not another hockey Yeah, they're not Big Ten. Are they not? Okay, sorry. I'll show how far much I care about college football. And, like, the Big Ten made such a big deal about picking up Rutgers to hit that East market. Why not get them in on hockey, you know? Well, they, there's been a, a movement, but for Rutgers for years to elevate from club, but they they just don't have the institutional support to do it. Um, and a lot of it is facility based. That's um, the issue for a lot of them, period, right? Is yeah. the facility. Yeah. Like you get the rink. And, and that's why Illinois was getting to a point where they everyone thought they were going to announce them. They thought they had the money in place with a building being built uh, a community type building that's could be used for hockey and volleyball and and uh wrestling i think but um, yeah it feels like me like the, yeah, the two I, the nchc and the big 10 have such storied programs and such high barriers to where they want a new team to be that even the teams that would fit the footprint if they don't splash on that giant arena then they don't fit so it's yeah. real tough to bring a new program into those leagues because Let's be honest, the NCH is not going to take anybody, I don't think, at this point. They're super happy where they're at, and why wouldn't they Why would they want to expand? Why split that check right, any more yeah. than they have to? Unless somebody leaves, I don't think you see new teams in the NCHC. Unless Miami and uh, and Western want to you know, escape their just complete pounding they're receiving now after a few yeah. years. But there's you know. also something to be said. Even if recruiting for the NCHC, even if you're the team that gets pounded, there's something to be said for that right now. Tell that to us in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say about the CCHA is that I think eight teams is the right size for any college hockey yeah, league. I would agree. It, it, it seems, you know, the Big Ten's at seven. It started at six, and six wasn't working. I mean, let's be honest. That's It, it was kind of like the CHA was when it got down to six teams. And it was, you know, when you get to the postseason, how does that really work out very well? Um, but eight, you you play a, a pretty close to a round robin or an equal number of games against everyone. I suppose have they have they have they said how they're many games are going to play? Twenty six. I don't know how they're six. going to okay. do that, but they're going to play twenty six. So yeah, one team you only play two yeah. against, and you're not going to have yeah. the same number of home and road games because that. Because that one right. team, you're not going to do a home and home because it's probably not your rival. Yeah, yeah, it's like a weird. We're not going to play hmm. Northern twice every year, but that that would be silly. Like, it's I would imagine be, it's right. got to be on a rotation basis. So at some point during the seven year rotation, right, we only play Northern twice. I would assume it's a six year rotation, and you have a designated rival that you play you every so? time. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Or or we'll yeah. split it into the fact that. All the Minnesota schools always play each other, and all the UP schools always play each other, and Ferris and Bowling Green always play each other, and everything else is up for grabs, something like that. I just, from a pure math standpoint, that balanced schedule ability that you have there with the number of teams, it just hurts me not to do it. It should have been 24, I think. <laughs> I, I like I too. I like the lower number of league games, right? It, if you have trouble filling out your schedule, you can always schedule an extra two games against another league opponent it it we've seen this year it's just scheduling fine, yeah. another league opponent yeah well and we see what the value of non-conference games is yep. in the year like this yep. too where you actually you that's how you build your your tournament resume a lot of years is what you do in those 10 games if it's like for big 10 teams play 10 games because they have a 24 game regular season 
like the other thing that you kind of forget in a year like this is you have to have a winning record to make the tournament. And if you don't have those non-conference games, basically half your league is going to be ineligible in most years, depending on if you've got any like really bad teams or really good teams. But that that's rule, the other thing that's playing into this year is that rule biting the NCHC does not make me sad <laughs> <laughs> at all whatsoever. They're all suddenly well, realizing, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> well, and that's probably why they play a 24 game schedule, too. Yeah. Well, and they want CC to have as many opportunities as possible to win non-conference games to inflate their league. And it's working for it's, them. It's a, sch- a, it's a scheduling uh, scheduling strategy that really does work. And given that you know the footprints are so interspersed with other leagues, it's not going to be trouble to get non-conference games with Big Ten or NCHC teams. You know, we're all really close to each other geographically wise as you look through the leagues. And yeah, I I, I do think the number being that high is is the wrong choice if you ask me as well. It should be it should be lower. It feels and, like if you're not going to do 28 and play everybody four times, you should just do 24, um, especially when you don't have an Alaska school in the league that gets you extra games every right. once in a while. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there. It Was um, it derailed, would you say? <laughs> oh, oh, good one. Yeah, let's talk about work. That's what I want to talk about. The fact that I'm running on five hours of sleep and 20 hours of work in the last 30 hours or something. Yeah. yeah just the, tell the train to do, stay on the track. I do like the way the WCHA handled having 10 teams from a, a playoff perspective the last few years where you had a race not to the bottom, but a race at the bottom as well that made the bottom yeah. of the league interesting. So if you do have above eight, excluding somebody rather than giving a bye, I think makes that playoff pitcher and that end run into the end of the season a lot more interesting because you have the top and bottom stuff to worry about. Teams at the bottom are, are trying to stay in, and I've liked yeah. that the last few years. But and, and as frustrating as it has been, I also do like the fact that it makes getting home ice that much more challenging, that you, right. yeah. you have to be top four out of ten, not four out of eight or in the Big Ten's case, like the, what I don't even remember how they do it in a normal year anymore. Four, two, three, and four get yeah. home ice in the first Which round. Is weird yeah. that one kind of they get the benefit of the buy, but they lose the gate opportunity. So it's kind of I mean I guess it's shared to some I extent. Think it all anyway. Shared anyway, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and but parking and things like that don't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're you're, you're there's still the, money. The stuff outside or beer sales yeah. and all that good stuff. You guys got anything else for Todd? Otherwise, I think we can let him go and talk about the Joe show and our tech stuff I and think try it, not to go too long tonight, guys. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a that's a good plan. Before you, before we send you off, Todd, is there anything Dustin, you... you need to get a beer? We can talk about soccer for a little bit. No, I don't have any other beers cold, so. Okay. But I was just saying, before we go, is there anything you, you want to plug before you, we send you on your way? Um, I would just say we've got our college hockey page on madison.com people can check that out a bunch of you know men's and women's coverage going on right now because they're both in postseason so yeah it's a fun time of the year and so no i appreciate you guys having me on yeah thanks for us. no it's nice to catch up with you guys maybe uh i think i think we made a mistake in kind of doing back-to-back episodes that were kind of similar and not having quite as much to talk about because we we kind of covered a lot of this with matt wellens last week but it's still good to catch up with you and we 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 got through an hour so that's yeah, good definitely no got, lack of content here 
So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Todd. I think we'll get to our more tech-focused stuff and let you go. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks yeah, for having thanks me. Thank you. Todd. Thank you for being on. We appreciate it. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Uh, we'll be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. These monthly chats are available at the white level for just $2 a month. If you have anyone you'd like to suggest for one of these chats, please let us know. Um, we'll see how the season goes here. I might try and get Joe Sean on. Since the podcast started, we've also done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. We're recording here on March 8th, which we actually dropped a bonus episode this morning. That includes a bunch of the Patreon content from last week's chat with Matt Wellens. So if you like that episode, you'll like getting the, the Patreon versions. At the gold level or above for $10 a month, you get access to everything we've mentioned and the Zoom video of our podcast before the rest is out. So you can watch Dustin read a golf book while we talk about soccer. <laughs> uh, you also get an authentic MTU jer uh, jersey patch for being at the black level or above. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we added some new features to our Discord chat and some extra. Uh, and then we're going to start doing uh, opening an apparel shop on Tech Hockey Guide with our THG slant logo, uh, maybe the podcast logo. And we'll have to talk with Dustin some more about whether or not we're going to do the MCM logo that way or, or keep trying to do it with this Google form. I don't know how that's going, but we'll drop the Google form in the uh, liner notes again. I guess that's it. So let's move on to the Joe Show. Uh, anything you guys took from the Joe Show today? I managed to somehow listen, so I hope you guys did too. I listened at one and a half speed, and my wife giggled because it sounds ridiculous at that speed, so I can actually <laughs> listen today. If you want to hear Dirk talk like this, you can hear Dirk talk like this. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, can't, it's real I good. can't listen like that. I wish I could listen like that and edit, but I can't. I, yeah, I, no. I, for listening, it's okay. Editing, I don't think I could do it either. <laughs> I, don't, my, I really didn't take away too much from this episode. I just don't think there's much more to say about this weekend than what happened to me that was the expected result that we were going to get swept but we were going to look pretty decent doing it we were hoping we would look decent doing it and I, we did yeah yeah i was more than happy with how the team played you I just gotta finish as, chances yeah, i think we looked yeah. especially good in that second game my big takeaway from that was it was really nice to score with the extra attack or empty net situation whereas you know pretty much the whole season that's been a guaranteed goal for the other team so even though yeah, i don't i don't want to look those yeah. stats up because they would be depressing yeah i, I don't even <laughs> want to know what that stat is but like it was it was nice to see us capitalize on that situation where that's you know been a sore spot for us the whole season even though by the time we scored it didn't really matter it was nice to see us kind of close the gap and actually get a goal in that kind of situation what? so I don't, I don't know, know why overall. they stopped and called that back for the extra second either. I mean, that was that was a weird ending that of the game. That was a very weird ending of that game. But, yeah, I didn't understand know. that part at all. Especially because really. I shut the game off, and then everyone's like, no, they're, they reviewed her, they're coming back, and we still got a second. And then for some reason it was outside the zone, and I'm pretty sure every tech fan was screaming for it to be inside the zone. And well, was... Here you go, guys. So we have had the goalie pulled for a total of 14 minutes this season, and we've allowed four goals. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't want the stat. Yeah, we, we didn't want the stat, Tim. <laughs> we didn't want it. We knew it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm more than willing to have my bias against that situation without the proof, Tim. <laughs> no, okay. 
now that we <laughs> well, have the proof, you, gotta, you do have to remember that some of that time is delayed penalties too. So sure. it's even we, worse than that. We've actually had a few really <laughs> long delayed penalties this year too. I got there's yeah. been a couple where it's been really well maintained possession for a while. But somehow at the end of the game that hasn't happened most of the time, right. which is interesting. I thought my big takeaway from the show was the the question that Joe got about who are the trash talkers. Did you guys catch that one? No, I did not. No, I, by that by that time of the show, I checked out, so I did. And who do we get? Part of, that? Of the, part of the reason that that one stuck out to me is because my favorite moment of the weekend was catching Parker Soretsky skating back to the bench after drawing a penalty, and he was literally patting himself on the back as he skated <laughs> to the bench I don't for drawing that. that penalty, and then Joe pointed out that he's one of the better trash talkers on the team, so I kind of laughed at putting those two together, that not only did he like draw the penalty, but he probably also talked some trash to like get that guy pissed off enough to like hit him however he did. I don't even remember what he did. I think he got held up on the boards for that penalty. That's always a great way to be. I'm like, yep, it was me. Check yeah, that yeah, out. That <laughs> he, he literally skates to the bench, and you watch him go like this. And it was just like, yeah, I, I, I kind of laughed at that. I called it out on the Discord chat. I'm like, did anybody else catch Sereski patting himself on the back? And I did appreciate that Joe talked about the refs after how much he talked last week. He had nothing but praise for how they ref the games. And, and I do agree. I actually thought that, we probably got a little better refing than we deserved. And I'm still confused. I still don't understand how it's possible to have a penalty and an embellishment at the same time. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. I'm going to go on my soapbox here. I am going right on my soapbox. That's always you, how it's called. I'll let you go on the soapbox because I you, totally agree with this. You cannot, ahead. by the rule of the book, have an embellishment call unless there is a penalty called. Really? There is no way to call an embellishment unless there is another penalty called to to get the embellishing of the penalty. That's so dumb. It is a really? yeah. no. Okay. It, there's so this is rule four rule. I actually have the rule up on my screen because I wanted okay. to get to this at some point tonight <laughs> because right. the Mankato announcers flat out said, "I don't know." So it's embellishment. You can't call embellishment on a penalty. Blah blah. Their rule sixty eight is diving and embellishment. If if there is no penalty committed, it is a dive that is called. If you are embellishing a penalty that has been committed against you to try to draw a major, that's an embellishment call. Okay, so the distinction is that you're trying to turn a minor into a major with your actions. A player who has been a- fouled shall not exaggerate the impact of the foul. An embellishment penalty is called in conjunction with an opponent's penalty. You literally cannot call embellishment as a solo penalty. It does not work according to the rule book. But there that's is a, dive. a penalty in the books that they could call that's that they diving. never call. Yeah, a player shall really. a player shall not attempt to draw a penalty through exaggerated or deceitful action. A diving penalty is a standalone penalty. And I wish that you one was have called a, more often. Like I mean, I, that I makes, agree now that completely. I now that I understand the language of the rules, now I'm right. really irritated because it to makes me, sense. I mean, to me, a lot of the time it seems like the dive should have been called. Like if it was right. embellished, like if if there's a lot of times where it's clear that like the player is just trying to sell it and it should have been just the dive. There should have been two penalties both ways. And to I me, think that was the embellishment was... call with, with boarding makes perfect sense because I anytime, that. Now that I know anytime the rule, yeah. there is a, a hit up against the boards, 
the player and I'm a soccer fan, so this sounds super hypocritical. The player <laughs> writhing on the ice when they're not actually hurt and jumping back up, which I hear hockey fans make fun of soccer for all the time. But watch any hit along the boards. That guy stays down and he stays down for a long period of time and then jumps back up as soon as the call is made. Yeah, that is textbook embellishment. That's that's embellishment, right? Clearly, because you you're trying again, to sell it to get exactly. That and yeah. the amount of times that things unfortunately go to review in college hockey for that kind of hit. Oh, I can't have shit in home without a review recently. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what embellishment is for. It is when you are trying to make something look worse, and you are embellishing an actual foul that occurred. Otherwise, you're diving, and that's a diving call. And I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a diving called. Like so it this, doesn't happen in hockey. This seems this seems all very easy to understand. I guess I don't understand what the. I mean, it, I, it makes sense that of, yes, diving probably should be called more. But most of the time, when you have an embellishment, it's an exaggeration of a trip or an exaggeration yeah. of holding on the boards or whatever. So I guess it makes sense that they call it that way. It just always confused me that. If you're trying to make it look worse than it is, your team should be punished more than that. You're negating <laughs> like, your power play. You, you've yeah, gained the power play, and you're, you're basically striking the power play from the books and going 4 on 4 instead. Yeah, that's yeah. a bi- pretty big punishment, gi- giving up yeah. a power play. I guess. But I also don't have any problem with the thought that the... I don't know. Can I can't even imagine diving being called just because of the... I, like, I'm can trying you remember to think. The, can you imagine the backlash at a rink if if Tech got called for diving in Houghton? I mean, yeah, I I don't know I've if I've ever seen a call. Hearing, I, I don't I couldn't tell you when, but I remember yeah. hearing diving called at some point at McGinnis. But it I was think back the only time I've school. seen it called, I think the only time I've seen it called is like a phantom trip where the guy literally makes the diving motion over where a stick is expected to be. And then uh-huh. you can yeah. see on a replay I mean, where the remember, ref caught it. It wasn't that long ago that Robbie Earl played in the WCHA. <laughs> That's but, true. But, but also, but, and the problem I have with the with the diving call is that these are like college athletes. Like I was watching. Well, you you watch these athletes, and you how often do you do we make the joke about you watch them like trip over the blue line, like? That's not diving. Yeah, they just fell. They just caught. Like, a, they just caught an edge. Yeah, how they many, caught something like, weird and they fall down. If they do that at the wrong spot, you're supposed to call diving. Like, I don't know. I maybe, think, maybe they are doing it exactly right, and it just feels weird that you're. Uh, like, I I totally agree with you, Rob. Though that the boarding call, that's where you see the embellishment because they're trying to draw that right. five, and it wasn't there. And I know Joe was really really happy about the way it was called, and it's nice to see. Uh, that he's got some positive things to say about the refs for once. Yeah, he's I would basically like to, got yeah. two weekends in a row now where he's been happy with the refs. That's true, and I think the major takeaway, and I'm sorry I'm about to use my swear card for the show, but I think the major takeaway from this whole That's discussion what I already is, did. is everyone gets <laughs> one. My major takeaway from this discussion is hockey is just fucked, and you don't know how to call it. <laughs> There's just no way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I um. Well, the other problem where reviews take so much time, and then needs to get something done with that. Player safety is a huge thing too. So the well, problem is, is if you ever if the but if the CCHA takes the takes the path of like the I'm pretty sure the NCHC has a supervisor of officials at every game. 
Oh, right? really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. They have like five supervisors of official, like they have, they have Don Adams at the top and then he has like four guys under him that are all supervisors. So one of them, I think is pretty much at every rink, every, at least one game a weekend. So if you just took that and projected it and just had that guy there every weekend, why isn't he in the review booth watching that stuff, replaying it while the game is going till the next whistle and saying, hey, you guys, you missed this. Here's the five seconds you need to look at. And it shouldn't take that long. And you've got the supervisor already like basically deciding that this should be called. You speed that up. Like, that's always what, then, Dustin, you might as well grab your golf book again. That's always <laughs> what's saying, pissed me we're off. We're talking with, like, about the, VAR, aren't we here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's always what's pissed me off with VAR is that I've always felt like the worst part about soccer is that, like, two minutes where they try to decide if they should review it. And it was like, well, why didn't you just use those two minutes to review it? If you already stopped it, like, go fucking review it. Like, it's if it's if you're going to use this standard of clear and obvious then it shouldn't take that long to decide whether or not you're going to review it. And that's exactly why, like, reviews that take longer than 30 seconds in any hockey game piss me off. Like, if it takes longer than, like, 30 seconds to maybe a minute max to determine whether or not a play should be overturned, then it was too close to call and there was no way it was clear evidence. Like, to me, then the call on the ice should just stand at that point. Do you remember a fun NCAA tournament game refed by our two favorite refs. I believe who was that between? Was that Vermont and Air Force? <laughs> Where the puck went through the net? Where the puck went through the net, and it took them yeah. about twenty-five minutes of looking at reviews to finally decide that it went through the net. I get that one. Goals, I understand a lot, like that situation. But like taking more, taking more than thirty seconds to review an offsides is ridiculous to me. I hate that. If it's that close, let it go. Exactly. Like. When we had the one call, like uh, was it? It wasn't this weekend. It was a weekend before, where I was able to screenshot and snap the exact moments off of the crappy video stream and show that it was offsides, and we got a, got a, we had a goal scored that we should have been called back for. Yeah. If I can take that and make that happen in a minute and grab those as someone that's not, the thing is, it needs to be someone other than the ref, like you're saying. The refs aren't there to sit there and pinpoint the exact moment in the feed. To here's where you messed up, or here's where you made the call. Having an, an extra person that sits outside of that, like you said, with the director or whatever, of officials or supervisor, or whatever title you want to give them, have that person watching the feed to make that quick. All right, guys, here's what you need to look at. I've already got the video where it's at. I've already got things screenshotted and snapped to where it's at, and make that process better. It could be centralized even. It could yeah. be somebody watching a bunch of flow streams. Yeah. And it still would be more effective than what we're doing now. I agree. And we have to go back to saying that, you know, the standard is clear and obvious. And if it takes longer than 30 seconds, then clearly something wasn't right. clear and obvious. It should not yeah. take any longer than that. And the only yep. reason I give them any leeway on how long it takes is depending on what it is and how many angles they have to look at. And the... and. You're still asking, like, I do agree that the system needs to be better, but how good is the system at getting them the different angles at the same time or, or whatever to see what they need to see? We're not talking about Premier League where they have millions of dollars to sink into these systems and yeah. it's being produced in a quality way. Like, that's what I get. A big piece of that is when the announcement is made as to what decision was made. You ought to have three options. 
yes, we reviewed the play and the play on the, it stands because we know we made the right call. There's the, yeah, we're overturning it because we know we made the wrong call. And there's the, we couldn't decide the play stands because there's no clear and obvious whatever that standard well, happens to be. I mean, exactly. that's like the NFL's NFL NFL like that. Well, the the NFL actually got rid of that this year. Yeah, and Did that they? should be. Yeah, there is no there is no distinction between confirmed and stands anymore. Okay, yeah, it's either, okay. either called well, stands NFL or called overturned. Used to do that. Yeah, yeah, and they I changed I love this season. That, like, but I think I think you're right. Like we need. So they gave the uh, ambiguous into the confirmed as well, and don't say whether they confirmed or whether yeah. it was ambiguous. They leave it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I just wish there there was a lot more clarity with that because I think as fans, we get really frustrated, especially like right. I'm thinking back to like when I was a student, we were playing Bowling Green and we got a goal and there was an offside that happened like 30 to 40 seconds before the goal. And at that point to me, if you're asking me, the offsides was inconsequential. The fact the puck went into the net and then Bowling Green's coach was like, yeah, that was offsides. And I got called back because it was correct. And like, that's the kind of thing that irritates me. If you miss that in real time and if, it, and if it goes on for that long, to me, that offsides was completely inconsequential to the puck going into the net, and that's something that frustrates me. And now I'm on a completely yeah, different because, tangent, but no, still. Yeah. You're right, no, though, because that rush could have happened at any other moment and been onside and resulted in that goal. And But because it yeah. happened on that specific rush, it doesn't count, even yes. though it's been 15, 20 seconds. That's, yeah, that's, that's difficult. To that's take, one but, spot that the rulebook actually does make relatively clear for the offsides review, though. And I think it actually does a really decent job of that, of of actually laying out some circumstances of how far back. It's not how far back because it's inconsequential, like you're saying, Matt. Right? It, but if it you do- turn over the puck in the offensive correct. zone, correct? If after there is a pos- and you get it back, it doesn't correct. Matter. And that's why one of the ones where we would have had it this year, it was negated by the fact that there was a change of possession in the zone, and we got it back and scored, and making just, that rule not applicable. That's yeah. fair, but to me, if the offsides was close enough to not call in real time, and then 10 seconds has elapsed in the offensive zone. To me, whether or not the puck goes in the net is completely inconsequential of the offsides. I that understand was, what you're saying, yeah. Matt, but why yeah. is 9.9 different than 10.1? That's that's the problem. I, I think a time a time matter on that would make sense to give it a time, a, a gatekeep it with time in some way. My real opinion is that offsides, if it's not called in real time, shouldn't happen at all. But that's my ten seconds rule is my is my leaning into knowing that there's. <laughs> I don't even know if the answer is ten seconds. I think I think you could clear it up much quicker to just say yeah. that basically, if you don't score on like an initial rush, yeah. right, that it the offside doesn't yeah. matter. If you start cycling in the zone, and you're maintaining possession. It yeah. negates it. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. But then that makes that and gives us me, another like, discretionary point. That the refs have to make a decision, I get and the it. rule and book's me, trying to avoid those. I understand why the rules are there, but to me, like offsides review should only exist for like that one play with Colorado years ago, where I think it was McKinnon was like nine steps over the line, grabs the puck, scores, and it stands for some reason. Like I understand the review <laughs> for them, where you go in the booth for ten seconds, like yep, that guy was like three miles offside. I understand that, but when it's like when you're when you're <laughs> breaking it down to inches, I think that's just ridiculous. It needs to just kind of be like anyway. So speaking of refs. We're playing a coach that decided to walk across the ice and harass a ref. So, what what do you guys think is going to happen this weekend against Bemidji State? I think I think the refs <laughs> better like that watch. For a segue. Yeah, the refs better watch their asses between these two guys because Saratori is clearly not taking any shit. Sean's brought up his reputation, so I'm expecting to see 
a series that's called very evenly, whether we like the result of that or not, if that's a let them play situation or if it's a nothing goes situation. But either way, I think it's going to be an evenly called series because I think both coaches going to the series have a reputation with the officials, and I think that's going to manifest itself in how the game is called. I'm looking forward to hopefully us continuing to play at our opponent's level instead of, you know, with Midji playing a decent game both ways like we did at Mankato rather than uh, not like we seem to do with some other teams. So I'm hoping for a good weekend. I'm uh, really hoping they find a way to break through on Driscoll and kind of yeah. uh, put him in his place for once. Our, our scoring woes plus another one of the hot goalies makes this a matchup I'm kind of scared of. Yeah, Driscoll won goalie of the week, I think, this week. Yes, and uh, I think to counterpoint with that, to throw it back to the episode with Harrison Watt earlier in the season, is that for for whatever reason it may be, the Huskies are just a different team in the playoffs. And to me, this this feels like deja vu of 2018, where we have a disappointing regular season and we end up in Bemidji and we rode Warrior all the way back to the championship. So I don't know if that's just the nostalgic part of me that's getting juiced about this, but I feel like we have our good chances. I feel like especially after this weekend in Mankato, we're going to come into that series really pissed off, and I think we're going to like the result and see what where it goes from there. And then head back to Mankato, huh? We'll see how that goes, especially because they're mad at us now. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see who, like as the 4-5 matchup, I would kind of expect, some of the better graded refs to be picked for that series. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if we have the same refs that we had last weekend or the weekend before because we're the 4-5. I really, I would not expect the best refs to be in Mankato or in Lake State this weekend. I think those two pairs will probably be either uh, in Bemidji or in Bowling Green, right? Like those are the two series that seem to have any real shot of of uh going three or actually having the underdog win. I mean I mean there's always a chance that Ferris or Lake State or uh Huntsville do something, but the odds are pretty slim. If Ferris State wins against Mankato, I will do the whole next podcast shirtless. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Well I do put it at slim to none, but I'm saying like That's why I've, I'm not I'm not gonna say it there. I'm not gonna say it's zero, but uh, that that was kind of my point, but yeah, like, that, I, so I would expect I don't the, see that the, one happening. <laughs> I would I would expect the like lower tier, like the third or fourth favorite pairs of refs to be in those two series because of the there's less uh, expectation of a close matchup. My my guess Whereas, is that Mankato has more wins this weekend than Ferris State has goals. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you're right there. Uh I don't know. Maybe it'll be even. I could that's see probably a, fair, I could that's see probably a, a really good prop bet. I guess to be to be fair, Ferris really did give uh, not Huntsville. They gave they gave Mankato a big time run for their money in uh, like in Big Rapids. Wasn't that like the opening weekend? No, that was like it was just a couple weeks ago. They really gave them a run for their money. They took them to OT one of those nights. Remember? Okay. Yeah, I so, could see I could see Ferris surprising this weekend, especially because they the haven't upset. had a win yet. Imagine them just shocking the nation right. and taking out like like. It's the that's the thing is that especially maybe like, that would that be good big. for Mankato to lose one of those games just to put them like get them out of their like kick ass mindset and maybe get them in the right mindset for the playoffs here because it did push. them it did them so good a few years ago when they lost to Tech yeah well that's 
but but tech isn't like eighth place and shocking the nation to do nothing like that was after we had swept bemidji right as the four or five matchup again tech at this point has that reputation of being the team you can never sleep on even no matter the rank so it'll be it's going to be an interesting playoff because i i do think that ferris and mankato is going to be a closer matchup than what you're used to of course like there is the possibility that mankato kind of gets their mentality if they've been there ferris hasn't and they just kind of blow their doors off but especially from what I saw from Ferris earlier this year. I thought one of those games that they were the better team and we walked away with a win. I think they're a better team than they are on paper. Like, I could definitely see that series being more interesting than what it appears. At some point, if you're a better team than you are on paper, that I mean, at some point you are what you are, what your record yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Like, No, you're 100% right. And there's In October, you could say, yeah, they're better than they look on paper, but it's March. You kind of are what you are at this point. I do think that, that seeing how they are winless, you know, winning one game, there's some extra motivation to get that upset and not just be done. Or maybe there isn't. Yeah, I don't like know. maybe they have that motivation to get that one win. Like even if it's just one, maybe they had that motivation to get that one by the end of the season. That's you know? true. But at the same time, you're you're talking about Minnesota State here. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, it's a David no matter, Goliath no, situation. Like no matter how much – uh, like the team in front of him struggles. Like McKay is going to keep them in any game. Like it's it's not. Well, his one glove, his, his one flash glove, his one flash glove slave that glove glove save that he had this weekend was fantastic. That made me want to die. It was so that good. was, and especially because I've been the one to be like, I want to see Dryden McKay play for a team that's not stacked, <laughs> and then right. he goes out and just makes me look like an idiot like that. It's yeah, that <laughs> was a fantastic save. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Why don't we go around and have everybody pick who they think will make the WCHA uh, four-team playoff? Shit, I got to go look at the bracket now. Really? It's Minnesota State or Ferris, Lake State or Huntsville, Bowling Green or Northern, Bemidji or Tech. All right, I'll jump on it first. I'm going to go with, obviously, Minnesota State is is getting past Ferris. I think Lake State makes it past Alabama, but that one probably I could see going three. Okay. Bowling Green and Northern. I think Bowling Green understands that to keep going and maybe get an at-large, they need to win this weekend convincingly. I can see Northern losing their cool a little bit and it getting out of hand, especially with the way Bowling Green plays. So I'm going to be watching that screen on a second screen while Tech's playing for sure because yeah. I think that's one of the more interesting matchups to watch. But I think Bowling Green gets past Northern, and then I'm going to go full homer and say we uh, we managed to win in Bemidji in three because I want to watch three hockey games this weekend. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm going to get to watch them right now, which thinks I'll have to see how my schedule works out. The game times are a little weird too. Don't they play at like seven, six, and five if necessary? I think. I think it takes back. Yeah. Yep. So it actually will be kind of fun because I think all the games are kind of staggered a little more this weekend than normal. Um, yeah, Dustin, the, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I'm saying chalk, and they're all sweeps. Okay, <laughs> Matt. Um, I think Minnesota State beats Ferris. I but I think Ferris grabs a game. I'll be the one that says it. I don't think they end the season winless. Um. I think Tech's over Bemidji in three games. 
And then we've got Bowling Green and Northern, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Bowling Green comes out of that relatively unscathed. And then I don't see a way that Lake Superior doesn't take over Huntsville. All right. I think Dustin's right, except I think Tech pushes it to three, and I pick Tech to win. Because I just think they want some redemption for how that home series went against Bemidji, and they'll find a way to do enough this time. It's a building we've so. had a lot of comfort in in recent years, so we'll see. Well, and I was going to go this weekend till a train derailment happened, so now I'm not going. Those derailments are I've been worst. thinking about going there because <laughs> I still need to get my picture with Babe the Blue Ox. <laughs> but How do you plan on getting into the game? I We'll see. <laughs> no. Would, they did only they only did what local tickets, right? Yeah, it would for the probably, few that were for sale. It would probably take making puppy dog eyes at you and saying, "Can I please go on behalf of THG?" But I probably won't make it up there. <laughs> well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing Thing <laughs> podcast. Thanks again for to, uh, for to Todd Maluski for joining us this week. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting Patreon.com/slash/TechHockeyGuide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MQ jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Uh, you can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. We're still waiting, guys. We're still waiting. Come on, somebody. I say we, we make that like a, a, a patch bonus. Like whoever's the first person gets a patch or something. All right. The first person that does that gets the pensive dog patch because I don't have any uh, UP patches to just give away. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. 